comes from Ephesians 3, 7 to 21. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> right, morning everyone. I'm Kathy, so if you haven't met me yet, uh, I'm an ordinand, which is basically a trainee vicar over in Trinity College in Stoke Bishop, and as you may have heard, I'm going to be moving to Derby very soon so that I can start my curacy, and if you've ever seen Aidan, the really tall guy with curly hair, looks a bit like Sam from Lord of the Rings, but obviously taller. <laughs> um, so he's a curate right now and I, he's my husband and I'm going to be doing what, essentially what he's been doing here but up in Derby. I'm very excited about this but I'm also a little bit sad because it means that this is my last sermon with you guys for the foreseeable future. So I know, oh, <laughs> uh, I do feel genuinely really sad because honestly you've been such a welcoming community to us from the moment that we moved when our son was born three days later and all the meals that people uh, gave us. Some people even came and looked after him so that I could have a nap <laughs> um, and that was hugely helpful and then all the way through with all the other ways that people have helped us and welcomed us. So thank you so much. So honestly I'm going to give you a round of applause and you should give yourselves one. It's like seriously thank you. <laughs> We have come to the end of our series. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's included a survey of the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And you've probably memorized phrases like creation, decreation, and recreation. 
The story that you live in is the story you live out. And God's being shapes God's doing, which shapes our being, which shapes our doing. You've probably memorized them like the back of your hand. (laughs) And if you haven't, or you have no idea what I'm talking about, I very much recommend that you look back on our previous sermons on YouTube and on the website, because there is so much richness and wealth of uh, spiritual good stuff. So I really recommend that you look back on those. But before we dig in further, I would love to hear what you have really appreciated and liked the most about this series. So what I'm going to get you to do is to talk to your neighbour or neighbours around you, just have a quick minute to discuss, and then we're going to feed back a few things. Okay, so something that you have really, really appreciated and learnt about from this uh, series. Okay, 10 more seconds. Okay, great. Who's going to be the first to volunteer as tribute? (laughs) Who's got something that they found really helpful that they'd like to share? Come on, guys. In Quakers Road, they were like really fast. (laughs) Paul, do you want to kick us off? Great. So for the people online, he said he's really uh, appreciated the theme of creation, decreation and recreation and how that fits in with a big narrative of scripture, but also with reality itself. Anyone else? Yes. Brilliant. Couldn't have said it better myself. The fact that the Old Testament and the New Testament are actually like part of one another, that the, Bi- the gospel is the Bible as a whole. Um, thank you so much for that. Any other takers before I move on? Speak now or forever. <laughs> Hold your peace. <laughs> Great. No worries. Well, something that I really appreciated was also something that challenged me. It was challenges to assumptions about the Bible while still clearly being biblical. It's helped me to cut through the mess of cultural evangelicalism and actual evangelicalism, i.e. what we've been told the Bible says or means, often through proof texting or taking sections of the Bible out of context or tradition and cultural shaping versus what the Bible really says as a whole on a big picture scale as well as in a microcosm. It's helped give me a renewed sense of confidence that the scriptures are not only relevant, but good. That we don't have to be embarrassed or assume it's outdated, bigoted propaganda. Did anybody else feel that way as they got through? Yep, lots of yeses and amens. Rather, it's a love letter from God to creation. This is a big part of why we did this series 
to renew confidence in all of us that the scriptures and Christ are good. It's also made me realize how wonderful and how big God's grace is. And grace should make us have a bigger view of God, not a smaller one. It should strengthen our faith, not narrow it. Make us realize how awesome God is. And I mean awe as in awe-inspiring, not like, oh, he's so totally awesome. I mean, he is, but he's also awe-inspiring. And how wonderful everything he has done, does, and will do is. Should have a PowerPoint come up. It worked, guys. (laughs) As Pete Hughes says, God's being shapes God's doing, which shapes our being, which shapes our doing. Say it with me. God's being shapes God's doing, which shapes our being, which shapes our doing. If we think about that Ephesians passage, it's such a great summary of the whole gospel, i.e. the good news of who God is, what he does, and how that can shape us and what we do. That reading was just a snapshot of Ephesians, but honestly, it's such a good summary of the past, present, and future Christ calls us into. And as you may have picked up throughout this series, the gospel isn't just John 3.16. It's the whole life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. Why that matters in the big picture of the Bible and the whole of reality. The gospel is the whole Bible. But since sitting and reading the whole Bible in one go was like, would take you a really, really long time, I recommend Ephesians as another place where you can get that big picture. It's a good alternative to the classic Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and their greatest hits. We've heard over the weeks how all of creation was made perfect, made in the image of God himself. But sin entered to the world and it caused a breakdown between creation and creation and God. This is de-creation. But that's not the end of the story because God in his infinite love made a way to stop that cycle and for all things to be made new, which is re-creation. I'd really like to emphasize that recreation is not about scrubbing out everything into non-existence and starting again with a blank canvas. It's more like upcycling. Do people know what upcycling is? Yes, yeah, yeah. So it's like when you get like a piece of furniture that's looking quite tatty and old and you put some hard work and effort and love into it to make it into its full and best self. And that's the same with what God does with us and will be doing with all of creation. And you can check out Ephesians 4, um, verses 20 onwards, if you'd like to explore that a bit more, where Paul talks about putting on the new self, new creation every day. This is what Christ offers us. He also offers us the choice to live in and bring about recreation, despite being tempted and prone to live in a sense of decreation. We've all got a choice to make. And it's often a choice that we have to make again and again. In many ways, it's easier said than done. But we will not live in the reality of recreation if we run on the fumes of Sunday services and fellowship. If we choose to believe and live out a Christ-based life as part of recreation, we have to genuinely believe that it's better than what the world offers, 
decreation. As has been said so many times before during this series, the story you live in is the story you live out. Say it with me. The story you live in is the story you live out. We are not going to believe that if we don't choose to let Christ dwell in us and us in him because the world always seems more attractive and freeing on the surface at different points in our life. The world gives us freedom to choose our own happiness despite its effect on others, freedom to sleep with who we want when we want, freedom to take justice and vengeance into our own hands, freedom to make a name for ourselves despite its consequence on others, freedom to buy what we want and when we want it for whom we want, despite the fact that it hurts so many members of our uh, fellow humans and the rest of creation. Lots of non-Christians, and if we're honest, a lot of us Christians too, think that deep down the Bible sometimes is just a strict moral code. It imposes restrictions and judgment. But this is a trick of the enemy to make a creation have an undermined view of God and his love letter to us. Often without realising, we do or don't do things out of obligation. Obligation to the morality that we think God wants or the church wants, rather than having our inner beings made whole by the God who loves more than we can ever imagine. If we as Christians don't believe that God's love is genuinely freeing and fulfilling, then why would non-Christians? If we look at our passage from Ephesians, we need to accept Paul's prayer for ourselves, individually and as a church, on behalf of the world, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I, Paul, pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. Amen. Truly living in the spirit and love of God fills and fulfills us. And as a result, we become living Bibles. Because of this, then, we're able to point to him who is able to do immeasurably more, more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I told you Ephesians is good, didn't I? <laughs> this is so important. Well, if the benefits of knowing Christ for ourselves isn't already enough to sell you on this, then what about for the sake of others? Hands up if you've ever heard of Rodney Gypsy Smith. No, some of you, yeah. yeah. Apparently the little like bit in the middle, the nickname is really important for helping you to work out who it is. So he was um, a man in the 1800s. He was from a traveler background and his dad ended up in prison and him and his family were really struggling to make ends meet. 
But his dad came to faith in Christ while he was in prison, and in turn, Rodney did too. And Rodney Gypsy Smith started hanging out with William and Catherine Booth, the founders of the Salvation Army. And he became a really famous evangelist. And he said, there are five gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the Christian. But most people will never read the first four. Or as one of my past students when I was a student worker said, we may be the only Bible that someone ever reads i.e. the story you live in is the story you live out. Say it with me. The story you live in is the story you live out. Instead, if we don't do this, we're just going to be living half in, half out, not really appreciating either world, either this uh, reality of recreation or decreation. So we pray to know life in all its fullness which is a life rooted in Christ as a community and individually. Doing so will help us to move from this status of decreation to recreation, and God asks us to partner with him in bringing about this reality of recreation to the world. We become walking gospels and Bibles when we immerse ourselves in the unseen reality of Christ. But ultimately, it doesn't matter how much I or someone else tells you how wonderful God's love is, because it will sound trite until you experience it for yourself. How do we do this? We have to, you have to own your faith for yourself. You have to do the work and not let yourself be spoon-fed. And I say this to myself as much as to everyone here and online. Don't let faith be built on presumptions that others have handed down to you. Actually read the Bible regularly. Ask God to show you things you never knew and to remind you of things you did. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with an awareness of God's deep and fulfilling love. Ask God to help you carve out a robust faith that isn't afraid to question, but is built up through questions and learning deconstruct assumptions about faith. It's not about undermining it, it's about building it with stronger foundations. And that is what that All Things New book is all about. It's about enabling us to have stronger foundations in Christ. When we get it wrong or we wander away, let's be honest with one another. Let's be willing to be vulnerable, to be accountable, to ask one another for prayer. Live in community so that we, we may all be strengthened to be Bibles worth reading. Now again, this is not about scrubbing away at ourselves to become someone completely different. It's about allowing God to make us into the full selves that we were always called to be. Quirks and all. We don't want to give false advertising effect to other people and pretend that we're perfect, because we're not. Well, maybe some of you might be, but I'm definitely not. <laughs> and I imagine we're, most of us, we're not. Rather, despite our imperfections, God loves us, and he uses us anyway, and he delights in do doing so. That might sound like a lot of different action points. <laughs> You're like, oh, where do I even start? 
start with God because we cannot do anything apart from him and his love. Faith is a marathon, not a sprint, no matter how young or old you are. And it's always better done in community with one another and with God. And the more we do this, the more we become like him. Because God's being shapes God's doing, which shapes our being, which shapes our doing. Say it again with me. God's being shapes God's doing, which shapes our being, which shapes God's, our doing. I said it so many times and I still got it wrong, guys. <laughs> I'm coming to a close and a close to this series. But I have a mission for you. Yeah, I've got a challenge. Are you up for that? <laughs> yeah. Are you up for that? Yes. <laughs> so your mission this week, should you choose to accept it, is to read Ephesians. It's only six chapters, but it's so rich and it's so good. And if you don't want to read it, you can listen to it on an audio Bible, on YouTube, or um, through a Bible app, or some other way, like a CD or something. It's so good, and I really, really recommend it. And you could even uh, ask someone that you know and care for if they would read it with you. And also, if you haven't read All Things New yet, I really wholeheartedly recommend that you do. It's such a good place to explore the misconceptions about faith that many of us will have. It'll also make you excited about reading the Bible and sharing what it says with others. It's not a super complicated theology book. It's actually like quite quick to read. It's got very self-contained chapters. And uh, if you don't want to read because of like dyslexia or time or whatever, you can do, they now have an audio version, which Aidan was very sad about because that only seemed to come out this week. <laughs> and he was like, why now? <laughs> um, but it's really good and you can do it on your, you can listen to it on your commute or when you're cleaning or whatever. If you've already read it, great. Gold star to you. Maybe have a think about someone that you could share that with. Maybe you could lend it out to someone or give it to them and have a discussion. You can use it as an opportunity to talk about faith with someone on the edge of it. And honestly, it's just such a good resource. Now, as we go into this week and the end of this series, I want you to remember one thing. God's being shapes God's doing, which shapes our being, which shapes our doing. Say it with me one last time. God's being shapes God's doing, which shapes our being, which shapes our doing. We're going to just have a minute to let that sink in. So if you close your eyes, Lord, we ask that your being would shape our being. We pray that you would make us more like you and into Bibles that are worth reading. Holy Spirit, would you be here amongst us, changing us from the inside out and growing us to be more like you and to live in the reality of recreation. In your name we pray. Amen.